Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. I'm Dave Gasper, joined, as always, by Matt Carroll. We are the editors at ReviewingBrew.com. You are regular listeners. You already know this. Um, we are sorry for missing last week. Someone, <laughs> Matt, uh, was a yeah. little under the weather uh, and was not able to go. Um, and then with, you know, just busy schedules and the winter meetings, you know, it's like, yeah, we, we kind of just have to wait until, you know, after the winter meeting, see how it goes, because you could you could have moves happen at any time. And, you know, one of the big moves that happened uh, this week, Matt, that we haven't gotten a chance to talk about on here yet, Colton Wong. Uh, you know, we've talked about it previously as a uh, theoretical, oh, he could get traded, you know, this could happen, blah, 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 potential suitors, whatever else. But it finally did happen. And, you know, just before the winter meetings, Colton Wong gets traded to the Seattle Mariners, the team we kind of thought he was going to all along. You know, we looked at the Mariners as, you know, it seemed like an obvious fit. We thought they'd be going for someone like Chris Flexen, you know, get get some uh, pitching depth help uh, back, someone who can start or relieve. But instead... The Brewers go for a pair of bats, and uh, that term is uh, a little bit loose. Uh, Jesse Winker, uh, outfielder slash DH, coming off a horrible season. Um, And Abraham Toro, uh, utility infielder, coming off a horrible uh, major league career uh, to this date. Uh, Had a great, great minor league career. Hasn't been so hot in the big leagues. Uh, But two bats, Matt, uh, for, for Colton Wong. What do, you, what do you think? What was your initial reaction when you saw it was going to be Winker and Toro coming back for Wong? Uh, Winker, I mean, yeah, I'll admit I was surprised just because, you know, I, I knew he was a guy that they paid. And I, I think when we've talked about the Colton Wong trade, we've talked about the we, we've talked about it in the same sense that we talked about uh, the Renfro trade, that it makes sense for the Brewers. Um, because, you know, they're able to uh, get rid of a little bit of payroll and maybe use it elsewhere. And with this, you don't. Not only um, does Winker make close to the same amount as Wong this season, um, the Brewers ended up sending cash to balance out that aspect of the trade. So Mm -hmm. that ends up being a complete wash. So it's not payroll-related move, which I think is why it surprised me that it was Winker and then with Toro, it was a matter of um, just not being familiar with him. I got to kind of dig into his past a little bit. I was familiar with the name. Um, but, yeah, so it was a little surprising to me in that sense. Um, but when you look at uh, kind of what Winker's done in the past, like, yes, last year, not good. Uh, nearly every year before that, great. Um, he had, had an OPS plus of 109 or better in all five of his previous seasons, really 125 or better in four of those five seasons. Um, So some good offense that he's put up. Obviously we know um, that he's done a lot of that damage against the Brewers. He's done a lot of that damage against Adrian Hauser himself. So I'm (laughs) sure Adrian Hauser's glad that he's not in the opposing dugout for any of these games coming up. Um, Until he gets traded next. (laughs) we'll we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it right um so as long as he you know does what he has done for five out of the six seasons of his career it's a good move you end up replacing Renfro's offense maybe not at the position because Winker doesn't play right field but maybe you actually get a designated hitter 
who will put up the offense that you expected, unlike Andrew McCutcheon last season. They signed him to try and get that punch out of the new DH position, and it just really did not end up working. Nope. Um, now maybe it will with Winker, and you know odds say that it's got a better chance of working than not working based off of his past. So um, I am all right with that part of that trade because you do end up, like I said, replacing some of that offense, and then you hope that um, the young kids end up essentially replacing Renfro's or at least parts of it. So maybe not all of it. Maybe they don't end up being perfect. Maybe you don't get 29 homers um, or anything like that from the right field position, but uh, I don't know. Maybe you get close. If it's Joey Weimer, maybe you get close. Yeah. Depending on when he ends up making a a showing for the Brewers. So um, it was a surprise. Like you said, not surprising where he went um, necessarily as much as the guys that we got back. I do want to point out that, of course, that came right after I said on this podcast that um, I was betting against him moving, and I feel like that keeps happening. So for your sake, I'm just going to say there's no way the Brewers sign uh, Corbin Burns to an extension. It's just not going to happen. There. Uh, See? Reverse I love it. See, there we go. The classic reverse jinx. I love it. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully that does end up happening, but, uh, yeah, you never know with, uh, with this team, but yeah, Jesse Winker, I mean, I, I think he's definitely going to be filling more of that DH role. I mean, he's a left field only option and he is, believe it or not, a worse defender in left field than Christian Yelich. You know, as much as we all like to complain about gold glove finalist Christian Yelich, I, I say that ironically, by the way, uh, as much as we complain about uh, his defense, mainly his throwing arm out there in left field. I mean, his glove is fine. Uh, he just can't throw. Um, you know, there, there's not really going to be much for uh, playing time for Winker out there in left field, you know, unless he's switching with Yelich. And Yelich is DH and Winker's playing left field. But, I mean, really, you're, you're not really any better defensively with Winker out there. Um, I mean, the, the issue that concerned me when I first saw Winker was, I mean, prior to this trade coming down, I was reading up on Winker a little bit. Uh, and I saw this article over at uh, Soto Mojo, um, which yeah. is our fan-sided Mariners site. Um, and they had, you know, compiled, you know, there, there's this uh, Seattle – Mariners beat reporter Ryan Divish, you know, really good reporter, great sources, you know, always has has a lot of stuff first there in Seattle, really close with the team. And, you know, he he was given a, a radio interview and he was talking about Winker's time in Seattle and how he was really a bad clubhouse presence. You know, he didn't have a great attitude uh, coming in, you know, didn't really try to, you know, wasn't really a hard worker when it came to, you know, doing like the pregame stuff, getting ready for games. Uh, you know, preferred to DH, didn't put in any effort to improving his defense, alienated a bunch of his teammates, wasn't, didn't travel with them in the playoffs. So, you know, I saw that and I'm just like, ah, I don't want this guy in the, in the Brewers clubhouse. You know, he, he's got all this going on. He, he has a down season. I'm sure he's got a couple of injuries that he was dealing with. He's had two surgeries uh, this off season to prepare for next year. Uh, and it sounds like he's going to be healthy and ready to go for, for spring training and opening day. So he should be fine for that. But still, was dealing with injuries, had an attitude problem out there, and his performance tanked as a result. And, you know, to me, it sounded something like a guy I'd like to stay away from, especially with the attitude issues and, and knowing what this clubhouse really kind of needs. 
Um, but instead, the Brewers look at it as, you know, this is a guy who, you know, I, I think getting him out of Seattle is going to help his attitude a whole lot more, hopefully. Uh, maybe he just didn't like being up there. Maybe he didn't like all the rain of being in, in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, you know, for, for whatever reasons, he didn't like it out there. You know, maybe coming back to the Midwest, coming back to the NL Central, maybe that'll help his attitude. And, you know, as, as long as his attitude, you know, improves, this is going to be, a, a, I think, a, a great addition and a great return for, for Colton Wong. Yeah, for sure. Um, and when it comes to that, like, it, it's hard because. We don't know. We're not no, there. We don't, we don't know. There were, there were, like, it's not like we saw video of, like, outbursts and it's not. We don't know, you know, for sure where this is coming from. I also never heard of any of this when he was with Cincinnati. I never heard of him being a bad teammate and, mm-hmm. you know, like, just having episodes and, like, fighting with guys or anything like that. So, um, yeah, maybe it was just a Seattle thing. I'm not saying it didn't happen, um, but it, again, like, like his offense, like, you know, it, it's a one-time thing at this point, as far as I'm concerned and, and as far as I've heard. So, you know, yeah, again, I, I think when you have, it, it's good that you have a team like the Brewers who, um, you, you've got some veterans on that team, like Burns and Woodruff and guys who've been around Yelich, who've been around the team for years and kind of, you know, set the tone in that clubhouse a little bit. You also have a strong manager in Craig Council who is good at kind of managing personalities and like bringing everyone together and ending up with a cohesive group. I know things happened at the end of last year with the hater trade and like that kind of like overrode a lot of that. But I don't general, think there's anything Council could do. With, exactly. with that, I mean, with, with the hater trade, I mean, that is that is an impossible task trying to keep that clubhouse together because he can say whatever he wants. He, he can do everything. But the, the point is not going to be lost on those players that the front office traded away Josh Hader while they were in first place. They didn't do anything to upgrade that team to make a playoff run. And, and the point came across from the front office they don't believe in us. They they don't, they're not trying to help us win. And no matter what council could say, there, there's nothing that, that could shake that outside of an acquisition coming in um, that would show it to the players. Council can say whatever he wants. It, it ain't going to work. Right. And that's like bigger. That's a way bigger issue than any one player's like attitude or something. Yeah. Like, and w- like we, uh, I want to I want to put a pin in that uh, Craig Council uh, thing with, with the clubhouse and, and get to that a bit later, because he had some comments mm-hmm. at the winter meetings. That I think we should dive into uh, okay. as well a little bit later on. So I'm going I'm to put a pin in that. But, yeah, continue. Okay. Yeah. 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 So basically just getting to I, I can very much see things going a lot better in Milwaukee for Winker than they went in Seattle, where he's, you know, a member of a younger team with a younger manager. Um, I, I, I'm not particularly worried. Like, yeah, yeah, it wasn't a good look. And it was, I guess, like minorly alarming to hear about, but I'm not worried that it'll also be that way on the Brewers. I guess I'm just not. So, yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, from what it sounds like from, from what guys, you know, from the reporters that have talked to Winker, he sounds super excited to be a Brewer. So, you know, maybe it was just he just didn't like being out there um, and it affected things. And, you know, he's just excited to 
you know, be in a different situation and, you know, perhaps the Brewers, you know, can, can do that. I mean, the Brewers do have generally a pretty fun uh, clubhouse atmosphere, so maybe it'll be a bit better for them. Um, but yeah, so as long as that improves, um, you know, it, it should be, it should be a great addition, you know, getting him in and uh, that, that should provide some thump for the lineup, which is, which is nice to see. And, you know, you get Toro in there and I, I think Toro, uh, he's going to be the new Mike Brasso as Mike Brasso becomes a new Jace Peterson, essentially. I mean, Jace Peterson has signed with the Oakland A's. On-base Jace is is gone. Um, and Mike Brasso is now going to be the, your top utility guy. Abraham Toro is probably going to you know battle for some at-bats there. I don't see Toro challenging Luis Arias for the third-base job. Um, you know, they, they might say there's a competition, but I think Arias is going to win that. Um, it's just, I, I just don't see it there with Toro so far in his, in his big league career. He's had some great numbers in the minors, uh, but he hasn't been able to put it together at the big league level. And I am not confident that the Brewers will be able to be the ones to develop him offensively and get into the talent, uh, that's in his bat. I'm just based on the Brewers history with talented offensive prospects, <clears throat> Keston Hira, excuse me. Uh, I'm just not not super confident that they're going to be able to uh, turn him around into, into a productive hitter that that starts every single day. Yeah, I mean he he's a guy who can play a couple different infield positions. Um, he is a switch hitter, which is nice, and he was a highly regarded prospect at one point, and he was highly regarded. Uh, on his hit tool, uh, looking back to his MLB pipeline profile from 2019, I think it was that I looked up. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's some parts that the Brewers have seen from afar that they like, that they think that, you know, maybe here, maybe with the, you know, the newer hitting coaches that they've had here um, for a year, uh, they think that maybe some of them can get their hands on him and figure some things out. But like you said, he's a depth piece there. Um, Brasso being at the bottom of that totem pole got to play in 70 games last year. And that was with being on the injured list for, you know, a chunk of it. So Toro's going to get some run, like he'll get some playing time. He'll probably be, there'll probably be some sort of rotation between second and third with Terang and Urias and Toro. And every once in a while, I'm sure, you know, if Adamas has to sit either Terang or, uh, Brasso, or Urias will yeah. fill in there, and then maybe you need Tor to fit. You know, with the, all those players, we know Council switches up his lineups. He moves guys around quite a bit. Um, he'll he'll get some playing time, and, and he'll get a chance, you know, maybe a small chance to, you know, show what he can do, and maybe it's change of scenery helps him as well. I don't know. Um, a second change of scenery, we'll say, since he's played for the Astros and the Mariners. Um but, you know, I'm not I'm, I'm certainly not jumping for joy either about it because I've seen his numbers, too. And, you know, uh, I don't know, like he'll be nice to have around if he doesn't work, then, you know. It is what it is, but at least the Brewers were able to get a second piece out of it to see if they can maybe do something with him. So uh, we'll see. But for now, he's just a, like you said, a low man on the totem pole, part of an infield rotation. And that's fine. Got to have one of those. Yeah, and I mean, the Brewers do need bats. You know, as much as they're like, oh, we need some pitching depth, they, they need some help on offense. Um, Winker, I think, does present an upgrade at, at designated hitter. 
Um, and, you know, you, you're moving Wong out. And I think, you know, obviously this is clearing the deck for Bryce Terang. And Terang could, I don't, I don't know if I want to say upgrade at second base with Terang. Um, because, I mean, there was some really good production from Colton Wong. And, I mean, he Terang is an unproven prospect at the big league level. Um, but, I mean, he could present, you know, at least, you know, down the road at least, uh, an upgrade at second base, you know, at least, you know, you're going to get some good production there. Um, maybe similar production, maybe slightly less, maybe slightly more, who knows. Um, but you're, you're clearing the deck for, for the young guy there and you get an upgrade at a different position. Plus another guy who can help out, um, you know, in that infield mix. So, you know, I, th- I think it makes sense. I like it better than the Hunter Renfro trade. I, I will say yes. that because, you know, the Renfro trade, you get three kind of middling pitching prospects, you know, not really any, any sort of upside there. At least Toro has some upside to him. I don't know if the Brewers are going to be able to reach it, but he has some upside uh, and you get an immediate upgrade uh, at a different position at designated hitter. So I do like it better than the Renfro trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, what it, it almost, the, the Toro part almost reminds me a little bit, and I'm not saying this is one for one, because um, different levels of experience at the time and stuff like that, it almost just a tiny bit reminds me of like pa- the Pablo Reyes move, where he was a guy who highly touted prospect with the uh, Pirates, could play a bunch of different positions, but um, he had only get- played in two years, and his first year was not too shabby. Uh, his second year with the Pirates was not great, but he fell out of favor a little bit, and he ends up on the Brewers, and the Brewers almost like bring him in as kind of a like, hmm, maybe we can. Uh, pull up uh you know what it was that had everyone regarding him as this high prospect i don't know like in that sense i I almost see at least a little bit of similarity between the two um but again toros had more of a chance to prove himself in the majors and failed than reyes had at the time so not one for one by any means but um yeah maybe a little bit of a reclamation project yeah so We'll see how it goes. You know, we got a couple months until we uh, end up finding out. So uh, that was the the big move the Brewers have you know made recently, uh, heading into the winter meetings. They didn't do it at the winter meetings. They they did it heading into uh, them that that weekend before. So you know, then we get to uh, the winter meetings, and you know, all this stuff happening. You got um, you got Trey Turner signing with Philadelphia. You know, that was. Uh, you know, a big one. 11 years for Trey Turner. At the end of the winter meetings, 11 years, Xander Bogarts. Nine years for Aaron Judge. The Brewers signed none of these guys, as you, as you <laughs> could well imagine. Um, but, yeah, you know, they go into the winter meetings, and, you know, I'm looking at this. I'm like, okay, you guys need to look at a catching upgrade. Uh, you could look at third base, uh, try to make an upgrade there. You know, because Toro, again, you know, I don't see him being a starting option there. Um, you know, look to, you know, try to find a buyer for Keston Hira. That, that's what I was saying as well they should try to do. They weren't able to find one yet, but they probably asked around and got to see who's all interested, I'm assuming. Um, you know, there, there was one rumor that, that got my attention uh, that, that came out this past week. Involving the Minnesota Twins, Luis Arise, the AL batting champion, could be put on the trade market. Um, you know, they are looking for, as they say, top-tier pitching 
quote unquote, uh, was what they were looking for in exchange for a rise. Um, you know, they've got three starting pitchers that are all going to hit free agency after this next season, after 2023. So they're looking for some pitching to kind of help fill that out. And, you know, I'm thinking about it. And Luis Arise would be obviously perfect for the Brewers because you can just put him at the top of the order, let him hit, let him hit 310 or whatever it is that he's going to do and strike out like 4% of the time. And you are just golden because that is everything this Brewers offense needs uh but top tier pitching and you know I'm thinking about this Matt they're looking for this because they want long-term rotation help because all their guys are leaving after one year Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff would be leaving after two so how much help would he really be in in any sort of Luis Arise deal so I think you could get Luis Arise without trading away Burns or Woodruff. But I think you'd have to instead go for, um, I think the Brewers would try for Aaron Ashby, but there's also Freddie Peralta who is signed to an extension. Now, I don't envision Freddie Peralta actually going anywhere, and if the Twins insist on Freddie Peralta, a trade's not going to happen. But if you can swing them on Aaron Ashby being a top-tier pitcher, would you trade Ashby plus, you know, it would probably cost something else as well. But would you trade a, a package headlined by Aaron Ashby plus a couple of prospects for Luis Rise? If they'd actually go for it, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I love Luis Arias. Um he, he has been nothing but an absolute pure hitter and on-base guy uh, ever since he entered the league. He has not had a bad year yet. Um, he got MVP votes last year, was first-time All-Star, um, Silver Slugger last year, uh, did a lot of things. He is still um, relatively early. He just became arbitration eligible, so you got him for a few years there. Um, like you said, you slot him in right there in the infield, and that'd be great. Um, it, he would do a lot of things that the Brewers really need. For a lot of the people who, you know, a lot of us who lamented the fact that the Brewers you know, not great in situational hitting at times. Don't get guys on base, you know, as often as you'd like. He would fix a lot of those problems. But the way they talk about wanting that top-line pitcher, you 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 just feel like they probably mean someone like bigger Freddy. than Ashby. Right. It, like, at least Freddie. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, so, like I was saying, like with Burns and with Burns and Woodruff, they're only under control for two years. So, like, they're not getting any any sort of extra control over them. So that's where Peralta, with his contract extension, would make more sense for them. Yeah. It also it, – it does. Um, but then, like you said, like, is, is that a guy that the Brewers are willing to trade? For Considering they have him on such a team-friendly deal. Yeah. Exactly. You've got a guy on a team-friendly deal. You've got him for a few more years yet uh, at cheap, where if, you know, let's say the – uh, unthinkable happens and they do move one of those two in Burns or Woodruff, you're going to need a guy like Peralta still in yeah. the, uh, the rotation. That's why they signed him. Exactly. So I, yeah, it, it'd be tough to give him up. Ashby, it, it, it would be a little weird the fact that they just extended him and then end up moving him. But again, like for a need and for a guy as talented as Arias. Um, I, I think you do it if they would actually take it. I just don't know if they would take it. What extra would you have to attach to that deal 
for them to say we're good with Ashby being the centerpiece basically of this deal. I don't know. I I just I, I don't see them taking it. I think it it's a situation where because of the sit because of uh where the Brewers top guys are in their deals, like there might just not be a match to be made here. No. Um but it, but it sure is fun to think about. Like I when I saw that and we started kind of talking about like are there ways the Brewers could make this work? Like we're trying to find it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> If I woke up yeah. tomorrow and that trade happened, like I love Aaron Ashby. I don't want him to go anywhere. Um, but if, if I woke up tomorrow and they I love a three sixteen hitter Ryan's, more. Ooh, yes, I do. Um, yeah. I love a career four. No, that's slugging percentage. Three seventy four on base percentage. I'll take that, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'll like, like yeah, he, like looking at a rise and like looking at his profile, he is everything Keston Hero was supposed to be. Because he came up as a second baseman. He was pretty poor defensively. They've moved him to first base and he's actually handled it pretty well. But he, you know, he's he's five foot ten, doesn't have greatest size for first base, but you know, he does play the position well. And he just absolutely rakes. And you know, he hits, you know, over three hundred and he rarely ever strikes out. And that is everything that they were promising Keston Hero was supposed to be. You know, he, he hits so much that, you know, his defensive home, it's like, who cares about it? Um, you know, you, you don't really worry about those kinds of things. Hira has turned into, you know, it's like, okay, now he's not even hitting enough. And all these other flaws are becoming too big to ignore his defense, you know, where you can play him, you know, things like that. He's not hitting enough to make it worth it. Um, and that just makes it, you know, so much tougher. And then you see a guy like Arise out there who is, you know, the actual hitting version of Keston Hira, then it's like, okay, well, like that would be a great guy to go get. But, you know, yeah, I, I don't envision it happening. It's fun to think about, but mm-hmm. it's probably not going to end up coming true. He probably doesn't even get moved at all. Like they would have to be blown right. away to trade Luis Arise. Um, so I'm not anticipating him moving, but it is fun to think about. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, uh, Kesson Hira strikes out roughly 40% of the time. Did you see what Arias's career low strikeout percentage was last year? Like six, seven, oh. <laughs> 7. 1. but 7.1%. What a slacker. Right? That's insane. <laughs> that, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That, that sounds like a guy I would like to have in my lineup. Um, yeah, but absolutely. yeah, you know, whatever. All right, um, moving on. So, so we're into the winter meetings now. We're we're kind of you know recapping the the past week here. And I want to pu- I want to go back to the the comment we put a pin on there with uh, with Craig Council, um, and talking about the the Josh Hader trade and you know keeping uh, the clubhouse together after something like that. Council had some interesting comments uh, when asked about that. He was on MLB Network. Um, as you know, all the managers, all the GMs go on the shows at MLB network, you know, during, during the winter meetings and have them on, talk about stuff for a couple minutes. Craig council was asked by Al lighter, I believe, uh, about the Josh Hader trade and the impact it had on the team down the stretch and how, you know, it essentially caused them to miss the playoffs 16 blown saves in the two months after they traded Josh Hader. I don't think that's a coincidence. And you know, Council was asked about that, and he went into his answer. You know, he started, he kind of caught himself and, like, cut himself off a bit. But he started with 
being like, yeah, I think we all kind of underestimated just the, the kind of impact that, um, it would, that, that it would have, you know, like just after he got to, you know, the kind of impact that things like, it's like, yeah, you, you know, Josh is, you know, pretty important player. So it's like, you know, he's talking about the kind, the kind of impact that trading away Josh Hader had would have on the team. They underestimated all of them. They, they underestimated the impact that it would have. And I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, how did none of you properly estimate the fact that trading away your all-star closer in the middle of the season when you're in first place would negatively impact the team? How did none of you be like, hey, wait a minute, this might actually be bad for the morale of the team, trading away an all-star closer while they're in first place and getting back a worse closer plus another pitcher who has had struggles and then DFAing said pitcher 48 hours later for two and two prospects. You got nothing to help the team to make the team better in 2022 with the Josh Hader trade. How did none of you think that the the players would respond poorly to that? Especially Council, because Council was a player. He knows that how that would go in a clubhouse. And he knows those guys better than anyone else. He's in there every single day. So he should have known. But frankly, here's the thing, Matt. I think he did know. And I think he's just taking the bullet and covering for the organization. And just being like, yeah, we all underestimated. But he knew. Because there's no way Craig Council didn't know. There's no way he didn't know that that would go over poorly with his clubhouse. He had to have known. Because... He is too good of a manager. He is too well-connected and too loved by his players to have not known that about them, to know that, hey, if we lose Hater, these guys are going to be pissed. Yeah, he also knows that his job is going to become immensely harder <laughs> if all of a sudden his yeah. all-star closer, is his all-MLB closer is just gone. Like he, he, So knowing that about himself and his own professional situation he has to know that it's going to be tough on the rest of the players too but like you said what's he gonna do get up there in front of the tvs right there and say well i thought it was a bad idea but they didn't listen to me like it's yeah. not gonna say that on tv of course that would be that, that would be great for for uh, content but uh right yeah that would uh that would not go over well uh in terms of uh, his job i mean he's his job is pretty well secure. I mean, I think even if he did call him out, but you know, still that would make things a lot harder on on Arnold and Stearns and those guys if he called them out. So, like, yeah, I get it, but I mean, at the same time, also, why wouldn't David Stearns and Matt Arnold listen to him? You know, like, yeah. I, I wonder how much Craig Council actually had advanced knowledge of this. I wonder if David and Matt just kind of came down and they're like, "Hey, we're trading Hater," and he's probably like, "What the hell?" Like if that's what it was, or if they told him beforehand, like, Hey, we're thinking of moving hater. Like, what do you think? And I'm, I'm sure if they asked him, he'd have been like, hell no, don't do that right now. That would be bad. And if that did happen, if they did ask him, why didn't they heed his advice? And if they didn't ask him uh, for his thoughts on it before making the move, why didn't they? You know, like, yeah. but like, there's no, like someone completely screwed up. I mean, we already know someone completely screwed up in this, but like th- this whole organization should have known better. So like someone 
everyone should have known better that you should have talked with council about this. You should have not done this during the season. And they went and did it anyways. And they destroyed a lot of, of what they had built. They had destroyed the trust the fan base had in the front office. They destroyed the trust the clubhouse had in the front office. And they wreaked havoc on this organization. Yeah, I I feel like if council did have advance notice of the hater trade more than just, you know, an hour. Um, and, and this is, again, you know, this is all speculation that we're doing here. But I feel like mm-hmm. if he did, that council would have done a better job, would have done a good job of preparing the message. You know, like, okay, if this is really the direction that we're going, like, you guys got to realize we need to have a, like, one message that we are all going to stand behind, and we need to get in front of those players immediately and be transparent about why we made the move and why we think it'll work. Like, like Council, I feel like, is smart enough to know that he knows how to address mm-hmm. those players, he knows how they think, just like you said. He, he knows what the next steps would be if a major uh, roster-shaking move is going to happen like that. And that's why I tend to agree that, like, I just don't think he had that much advance warning about all mm. of this. Because I just I just have to believe that if he did, it would have gone better. They would have figured it out a way to break it to the players or address it with the players in a way that things would not have gone so far south. Um, so that's, I just, yeah, I just, I, I feel like that had to have been the case that maybe he was given a little bit of warning, but I, I just, I feel like it probably wasn't much. Yeah. It was probably too far down the line at that point. And, you know, it was just, Hey, this is what we're going to be doing rather than, Hey, what are your thoughts on if we do this? Um, you know, it was probably at that point, if anything. And yeah, it just seems like a, a communications failure. For, for the organization to for that for that to just kind of break down and you know just how no one in that front office properly estimated that that this would go poorly like like how did like did no one stand up no one in the room none of the other assistants or, or special advisors or you know special or senior vice presidents or whoever else is working there none of the analysts none of the scouts no one was just like hey like, this is probably going to have a, a negative effect on, on the clubhouse. Like, did they think it was just going to be great? Like, the players were just going to love it? Or they were just going to be completely neutral about losing Josh Hader? Like, like what did they think was going to happen? Did they think it was all just going to be fine? Like, how could they be that naive? You know? Like, it's it's so frustrating. You know, if you do it in the offseason, it's one thing. But doing it at the deadline, when you're in first place... You know, we're, we're rehashing old stuff here, you know, essentially. Yeah. But, you know, the, the fact that council's like, we all underestimated this, you know, it's a little bit of just kind of covering for the organization and taking the bolts. And, I mean, he doesn't deserve to take those bolts because it was not his decision. It, it was not council's choice to trade him. Um, but, yeah, it just makes things super frustrating. Yeah. But... On the positive side of Craig Council's comments, he did have a couple other interesting things to say. Most notably, we could see Jackson Churio in Milwaukee in 2023. Ooh. That is that is making my prospect heart very happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I think we saw the amazing things that Turio did. Um, and there was even a little bit of chatter towards the end of last year about, like, if he keeps going on this track at this rate, there is a chance that he could see some time. I mean, when he's being compared, like, statistically being compared to players like Mike Trout and like Tatis and like Juan Soto and the things that those players, uh, Stanton, I believe, Stanton or Judge, one of those two. Yeah, uh, Acuna. Both. Acuna. You know, the things that they did at that age, at that low of a level in the minors and how fast they ended up ascending to the majors. Um, it, it's not that far of a stretch to think that there's a small chance that he could see the majors at some point. You're not going to break camp in the majors next year with the Brewers. Like, we're not going no. that far. Um, but <laughs> That'd be something. Think, wouldn't it? Garrett um, Green would be pissed to get robbed of the Jackson Trio. Oh, my experience. God. Yeah, I would. Uh, we would have to bring him on for a therapy session if that happens. Like, yeah, there's no way. Um, and Jeff Hem, friend of the podcast down in uh, yeah, Nashville, right. if he just comes straight up and skips Nashville, they would also be pissed. Right. Um. So he's still going to work his way through. Um. But you know, a lot of things happen with the roster over the course of the year. You know, there could be outfielders. The Brewers are expecting to contribute next year who don't work out and have to end up spending some more time in the minors. Could be guys who get hurt. Could be guys who get dropped off the roster. He could end up getting added to the 40 man uh, ahead of September call-ups. If he's at AAA and mashing yet again and added to the roster for that, who knows? Like he is that Uber talented where literally nothing is off the table for him right now. And um, I had heard uh, you had kind of mentioned too. I thought the same thing. Uh, in your appearance for Lockdown Brewers today, um, mm-hmm. that Craig Council made very similar uh, statements about Abner Uribe last mm-hmm. year in spring training with the way that he was kind of flashing. Um, and unfortunately, he ends up getting hurt and doesn't play most of last year. Um, but he's come back now in uh, Arizona Fall League and looked good and added to the 40-man roster to protect him from Rule 5. Like, that's a guy who worked his way up really, really fast. And there's a real good chance he ends up contributing in 2023. So, no, I don't think it's that far-fetched an idea to think that there's a chance we could see Churio at some point in 2023. It's not a guarantee by any means, but uh, Mm -hmm. the fact that the Brewers even have a guy like that in the system that we can talk about like this is like something that I don't remember being able to do like ever in years, at least since (laughs) I've been kind of paying more attention to the minor leagues than I did when I was a kid and you didn't really know much about it. Like back during the Ryan Braun and Prince Fielder and like those years. Yeah. I mean, yeah, those are really kind of the, the last times like we had prospects rated this high. I mean, Keston Hero was kind of, you know, a bit of that with, with the hype that he was getting, um, you know, but um, even he wasn't at Churio level of, of hype. Baseball America has him ranked as the number two prospect in all of baseball. Like it's, it's that level of hype. And I, I just think it's good to see that the Brewers aren't putting any limits on Churio. You know, they're, they're not right. being like, look, no matter what, he's staying down until 2024 or whatever. Um, but they're open to it. You know, if he can help the team and he continues to hit well, they're open to it. Now, the problem is uh, there are four outfield prospects ahead of him uh, on yep. the depth charts, three of whom are center fielders. Um, you got Garrett Mitchell already in the big leagues. You got a stereo Ruiz on the 40 man roster. You got Sal Freelich uh, up there. You got Joey Weimer. So 
you got those guys to spread the at bat to round two first, and you know there's you know there's enough depth there just with those four guys plus Yelich plus Taylor who's still on the roster that it's going to be tough for him to crack that group. Granted, if he continues to play as well as he has, they'll bring him up anyways, and he's he'd be better than than any of those guys. He's ranked higher than any of them. So if he continues to do it, then you could see him up there. But I don't think they're going to give him that until there's you know either an injury or something or some kind of opening that pops up uh, for ABs. Um, but yeah, they're they're open to it at least, and we'll just kind of see how the how the season goes. So speaking of prospects, um, moving on to the draft or the drafts, two drafts to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with the draft lottery. The first ever draft lottery happened uh, at the winter meetings on Tuesday night, and the Brewers were a participant uh, of sorts because they were a non-playoff team. They had the lowest odds of any team to win a top six lottery selection. And Matt, the odds do not lie. They did not win the lottery. Unfortunately, oh. just like me with That's the right. billion-dollar Powerball, <laughs> did not win. We're just like him, or just yep. like the team. Yeah. Non-lottery winners. Yeah, was unfortunate. You know, there was that sliver of hope because you know they they had all the cards. You know, these big cards with with the draft numbers. You know, eighteen. It's like okay, you know, the Brewers they're either going to be here at eighteen or they're going to be in the top six. And you know, eighteen. You know, it's like okay with the eighteenth pick, and it's like. It's like that part where you just kind of like hold your breath, like, you know, when when you see a pitch, when the pitch is being thrown or when, uh, you know, quarterback throws the ball, everyone just kind of holds their breath and he flips it over. Ball and glove. Brewers logo. It's like, hey, I'm watching Brewers. I'm like, damn it. Ah, all right. Well, there goes all the suspense. But uh, yeah, so the Brewers will be picking 18th in the MLB draft. And, you know, already immediately after there are a couple of um, mock drafts that were put out once the, once the draft order was finalized. One had the Brewers taking a outfielder from Boston College, and it sounded all so Ooh. familiar. Yeah. Uh, there was another mock draft that I saw. Uh, this one, I believe, also was Baseball America. A shortstop from Tennessee, or from the University of Tennessee. I believe he's from Hawaii because his name is Maui Ahuna. <laughs> yeah. So he sounds very Hawaiian, uh, but he hit 396 last year. So I would be happy with that. Uh, so the Brewers will be picking 18th. They will not be picking sixth, sixth, but man, that top six pick would have been so much fun and, uh, so exciting for us draft nerds. Well, AKA me, the draft nerd, but still. Yeah. Um, the Brewers have picked 18th one time in their history. Do you know when it was? Ooh, uh, this is testing my, my draft history. Is this, is it in the 21st century? No. Okay, so 70s, 80s, or 90s. Yeah, then no, I do not know who it is. Uh, the one time the Brewers picked 18th would have been in 1984. That was Isaiah Clark, shortstop out of Crockett High School in Texas. Mm, uh, yeah, and what did he turn into yeah. at the big league level? Uh, he doesn't have a Wikipedia page, so I don't know. So I'm guessing <laughs> I nothing. click on it to find out, but I can't. So, yeah. That's what I'm so thinking. I'm guessing he didn't turn out to be much. Uh, no wonder I, I didn't know that name. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, 
So that was the last time, the only time the Brewers have picked 18th uh, overall. Interesting. So uh, that will that will change this year. So we shall see. Um, the last time the Brewers picked in the top 18 was 2021 when they picked 15th and they took Sal Freelich. So um, Sal Freelich so far, I'd say he's turned out all right um, as a prospect. We'll see at the big league level, most likely at the beginning of 2023. But uh, yeah. All right, so with the draft lottery sadness over, uh, the fact that the Brewers did not win there, let's talk about a draft that actually did happen uh, and some success for the Brewers there. The Rule 5 draft for the first time since 2015, I believe, the Brewers actually selected somebody in the Major League portion of the Rule 5. Um, Gus Barland, Gus Bus is his Twitter handle. His Twitter handle is literally Gus Bus Varland. I so, love I love it. I love Gus, Gus, Bus, Benchwarmers, in case you uh, did not super, know. Super, super underrated movie for anyone who hasn't seen it. I love that freaking movie. I need to watch it again just, just because we got oh Gus, God. Bus, Barland. It's hilarious. Great I'm sure you movie. can stream it somewhere. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. So, the Brewers get Gus, Bus, Barland. Um, and, Matt, you know, I was kind of doing – doing some um, preparation for the Rule 5 draft. So I thought there actually might be a chance that they selected somebody this year just with their open roster spots, their need in the bullpen, and the fact that there were a lot of eligible players this year. Um, You know, there wasn't a Rule 5 last year, so, you know, there's kind of some extra classes that were available, so a lot of good players out there. And, you know, Gus Varland was, was on my list. Um, you know, he's someone who has two years of experience in double A and he can throw in the upper nineties. Uh, his velocity ticked up when he moved from the rotation to the bullpen. His performance got a lot better when he moved to the bullpen. You know, you look at his ERA numbers, they aren't super exciting, but once he moved to the bullpen, things got a lot better for him. Uh, Matt, I know you and I were kind of eyeing some of the left-handed pitchers, mm-hmm. uh, on there, specifically Jose Lopez, who went shortly yeah. after the Brewers in the Rule 5 draft. Um, but, you know, because they do have a need a, a left-handed pitcher. The only lefty reliever they have is Hobie Milner. Uh, so they do need a, an extra lefty there. Uh, but Gus Varland comes to the Brewers, and he's got a shot to stick, Matt. Yeah, and for those who look at his minor league career and the fact that he hasn't advanced past the A level yet, um, you know, I can see being a little concerned that, like, you know, oh, we're we're thinking this guy all of a sudden is going to stick as a major league player. Um, but I invite you to think back to one Jake Cousins, uh, who mm-hmm. pitched for the Brewers in 2021 after making just eight appearances at AAA that season. And he worked out pretty well, pretty darn well mm-hmm. uh, for the Brewers that season. Um, didn't repeat it last year because he ended up being hurt right away, um, but ended up coming back and, you know, pitching some good innings down the stretch. Um, so if a guy's talented enough, uh, has put in enough work, you know, they can potentially skip past that AAA level. This is a guy who, you know, his, he's got some name recognition, you know, his, he'd been out there as a, as a decent prospect for a little bit. And so, you know, um, teams thought highly enough of him to where he was being floated around as a potential, uh, rule five pick and lo and behold, the Brewers end up going and getting him. 
And, you know, his his first couple of years in the system um, when he was with Oakland were solid. Um, he only ended up in 2018 pitching in 13 games uh, after being picked. Um, but he had an ERA under one. Um, in 2019, he only ended up getting to pitch in five, unfortunately, um, but he was doing solid. I believe he had um, Tommy John. And, yeah, uh, but the games he did pitch in were solid. And so, you know, the Brewers have <clears throat> done well in the past in getting some of those Tommy John recovery type guys. Now, he is a couple years removed from it, but they've gone after some of those guys in the past and done well spinning them around and turning them into something good. It kind of started with um, Drew Rasmussen, I feel like, was one mm-hmm. of the first ones I can remember as a big, like, hey, we're going to take a chance on him. He'd had two at mm-hmm. that point, and look at what he ends up turning into. And the Brewers kind of ended up going after a couple more of those types of guys um, and having some success. Uh, Justin Topa, I believe, being one of them. Yep. Um, so if they think that they, they can kind of, they they saw what happened when he came back, um, maybe thought he was on the verge of AAA anyway at that point. So, you know, just skip the step. And if it doesn't work out, it's a Rule 5 draft pick. You, you you know, he can be waived and end up going back to his original team. It's not the end of the world. If it doesn't work out, he's going to mm-hmm. end up being paid the, minim- uh, the minimum and you just move on. So it, yeah. it's, it's low low risk, potentially high reward. Yeah, and I mean it's it's much better than their last Rule Five pick that they tried to keep around Wei Chung Wong because yeah, I I had to bring up that pain. Um, just I mean that guy they took out a rookie ball like that was too much of a stretch. Um, you know that that guy they should have sent back you know at the beginning of spring training, but whatever. But you know Gus Verland is going to be different because I mean he does have a couple more years experience in the minor leagues. He's been at Double A. Um, so he's more ready for a big league opportunity than Wei Chung Wong ever was. Um, and I mean, he, look, he throws, you know, 98, 99, like, you know, his velocity is really ticked up. Um, he's got a slider that's around 88 to 90. Um, so he's got two big league quality pitches and that's what you need for, for a big league bullpen. So, you know, they, they can have him in there and, and he could probably stick and then they can keep him around for a while. So um, I'm excited for it. And, you know, they're, they're getting velocity with, with their bullpen this year, which is important. You know, it's good to have all those hard throwers um, down there. It just it just makes it so much easier to have success, you know, even with whatever risks um, that they may have, you know, either with, you know, control problems or, or whatever else. You know, the, the average OPS against a, a 99 mile an hour fastball is much lower than a 95 mile an hour fastball is much lower than a 92 mile an hour fastball. So the harder you throw, the harder it is to hit. Um, so if you can just teach them some semblance of control, uh, you're in a pretty good spot. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, Adner Uribe, he could uh, blow the cover off the ball, uh, but he couldn't locate for a damn for a little while there. Uh, yeah. That's what the Brewers figured with him. You know what? We get that control under control. And we've got an awfully damn uh, special pitcher here. And, yeah, and that's what he and, did. And yeah, the Arizona Fall League. The roster, right? Yeah. So, yeah, um, so. It, it, you can't teach velocity. If you have it, you, you're, you are well on your way to being an effective pitcher. And so just having that helps a lot. And you just lock in that uh, yeah. uh, control and, a little bit. Yeah. And if you don't have that velocity, you are well on your way to hosting a podcast. 
Uh, story of my life. Anyways. Self-burns. So, yeah, Gus Varland joins the Brewers' bullpen mix. Um, you know, a couple final uh, rumors here that, you know, we got to talk about uh, as we, uh, you know, kind of get towards the end of the podcast here. That came through the end of the, of the winter meetings here. One came out um, just on, on Thursday here, uh, and one came out, uh, you know, the day before with uh, Matt Arnold talking to, to the media the Brewers are looking for catcher upgrades. Thank God. I've been saying yeah. this all offseason. They should be doing that. Uh, but we haven't heard anything specifically about them, you know, really trying to be in that market. Um, they're just like, hey, you know, if something pops up, you know, sure. But, uh, you know, with uh, Matt Arnold, with with his comments, you know, he's like, look, we are, you know, looking at, at the catcher market. We are looking for catcher upgrades. Um, you know, going to be trying to get one. So, they are involved uh, in the market for catchers. We already saw Wilson Contreras leave the Cubs to sign with the St. Louis Cardinals. And Matt's, uh, I believe it's it's a requirement for Cardinals catchers to be the most obnoxious people in all of baseball. And now that Yadier Molina has retired, he passes the baton of the most annoying person in baseball to Wilson Contreras. And, I mean, Wilson Contreras was already, like, pretty much number two uh, on the most annoying uh, player in baseball, although Manny Machado is not too far behind there. But still, uh, at least Manny Machado did not go to the Cardinals, but Wilson Contreras did. But yeah, oh well. I, makes makes me want to throw up. That's all yes. I'll say. But we got Mario Feliciano. All right, so yeah. who, needs, who needs Wilson Contreras? Uh, but also, the Brewers need an upgrade uh, beyond yeah, just uh, Mario Feliciano. As much as I love Mario, but th- they need a, a good veteran uh, to pair with him. Um, you know, to as as he kind of gets his major league legs underneath him, uh, one that's better than Victor Caratini, I- ideally, uh, who had a buck ninety nine last year. Like, I'm sorry, I'd like to see an upgrade over that. So, Christian Vasquez is out there in the free agent market. He has a lot of suitors. Um, there's also uh, Sean Murphy, who is out there, he would cost a ton to get. Uh, the Blue Jays have a couple of catchers available. But the Brewers are in that market. They are interested. They're, they're searching around, you know, trying to be opportunistic, as they call it. But, Matt, I don't want them to be opportunistic. I want them to be aggressive. I want them to go out and get their guy. Don't sit and let the market come to you. You go to the market. You go, you, whether it's Christian Vasquez whether it's Danny Jansen or Sean Murphy or whoever it is, identify your guy, go out and get him. That's what I want to see. Absolutely. I, I'm, I was also glad to hear that they are, you know, outwardly expressing their entertainment towards bringing in another catcher. It means they are taking it seriously. You didn't hear uh, that under Stearns. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They they didn't talk a lot about even if they were looking for certain players. That's all you knew. They're looking for players. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, we're looking at the free agent market. We're planning to bring in a bat. Uh, blah 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 blah. Yeah. What position? Who knows? Random. Yeah. Random generic uh, GM speak. Um. So it's a little refreshing in that sense to you know hear him say that you know there's an identified need and that we are searching for it. You got to uh, give Matt Arnold this. He is good for for a quality quote. 
Yeah, he really is. He 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 does put some good quotes out there, especially with with the draft lottery and talking about, oh, if we win, I'm going to be running through the lobby or something. <laughs> like he is, he does seem a bit more laid back with with the quotes there. So that is a little bit refreshing to see. Yeah, um, I, I I hope they go the trade routes more than the free agent routes. I think as much as I keep wanting Christian Vasquez, as I see some of these free agent deals come in, I'm worried that the Brewers will get priced out of a lot of the free, mm-hmm. market, free agent market in general. Um, not saying that Kristen Vasquez is going to be making Trey Turner money or anything. Um, but like the, it's like, there's been plenty of deals that have come in where I'm like, Oh, that guy got that. Are you kidding me? Um, yeah. So I, I think a lot of them are going to make some money. So maybe a trade route does end up being the right way. Sounds like the A's want a, a, a lot for Sean Murphy and two, um, major league ready talent as mm. opposed to just prospects, which is the type of thing they've loaded up on quite a bit in the past. So I, I would love a Sean Murphy move. Would the Brewers have to give up too much though? I don't know. That's where I keep coming back to the Blue Jays too. The fact that they have so many catchers, I feel like, you know, maybe gives them a little bit less leverage because, you know, they, like, what are they going to do? It's it's not like they can strong arm another team because the Brewers are going to be like, you know, or any other team is going to be like, what are you going to do? Just carry them all? I mean, they could carry them all. They did last year, but yeah. um, it, it doesn't give them much of a leg to stand on. So maybe, you, you know, you can make you reach a more fair deal with them than you could with some other teams. Um, I don't know. I, I just keep coming back to them. There's a lot of options there. Even even a Danny Jansen, like the the one that's probably going to cost you the least is still an upgrade over oh, what yeah. you've got. Like any of them would be an upgrade over what you got. So, you know, go with what you can get at that point. But I also hope that they're aggressive and they kind of hit this market before some of the other teams do. And then some of your other, some of your options start falling off the table. Yeah. And I mean, the, the thing that concerns me with, with Vasquez, you know, as much as I'd love to get Vasquez, um, there are like, eight plus teams in his market that are already known and the brewers aren't even listed among them. So, I mean, if the brewers are in there, you're at nine teams uh, in the market and that's a lot of teams to outbid, you know, a lot of teams with with some big catching needs as well. So, you know, it it makes it a little bit tougher. And yeah, if it gets into a bidding war, which it sounds like it's going to be getting to now um, that I, I just don't see the brewers being that aggressive and, and outfitting others for Vasquez, I think they should, especially since they seem to want to, you know, hoard their prospects and they don't really want to trade them away. Um, so if they really don't want to give up the prospect capital, just go out and, and pay Christian Vasquez, just get them. Mm-hmm. Just, just be like, all right, whatever the money is, we're just, we're going into these negotiations to win them. Right? Like whatever it is, just go in, sit down with them be like, look, we'll do whatever. We'll, we'll put on the extra year whatever it is, or the extra money, and we want you in now. Like, like we're not going to wait around. We don't want to give up the prospects for anyone else. There's no good free agent options really outside. Like, otherwise you're at, what, Mike Zanino, Tucker yeah, Barnhart. You're back to Omar Narvaez. Like, you're, mm-hmm. not, you're not at upgrades at that point. Um, or if they are, they're, they're only marginal. And it's, it's right. not really anything, anything better. So go out and get Vasquez. If you don't want to give up the prospects – go out and just get them like 
have have a killer instinct. Be like, look, there there are these options out here. There's a whole bunch of teams that want catching. I'm not going to be left holding the bag and picking up the scraps with a Tucker Barnhart or bringing Omar Narvaez back or Mike Zanino or, or Austin Hedges. Like, don't be <laughs> stuck with that. Go out and get your guy. So it's it, it makes the most sense to me. I don't think they'll actually do it, but they should. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we talked actually about this a little bit uh, before last podcast that we did. We didn't end up – we forgot to bring it up, or I did, during the podcast. But we were chatting about the Hunter Renfro trade and about how when you're looking at the Brewers and the order of operations for how they had to make their moves, you have to make that uh, Renfro trade first to free up the money before you end up going and spending it. If you do it the other way around and you go and make all these signings and then go and try and trade – Renfro, well, now you've lost some leverage because other teams know that you have to get rid of him to reach mm-hmm. a certain payroll goal for the team. Um, so then they, they can give you barely anything just knowing that you have to offload Renfro anyway. So the Brewers had to make those moves first. Again, the Wong one ended up being yeah. a salary offset more than the Renfro one was, but it, it at least explains why some of those moves have happened and maybe you haven't seen the other ones start to happen, but they're done now. Go get your guys. Like it's yeah. time to start making the moves. I mean, you, you saw that a bit in, um, in 2018, you know, what we, at the winter meetings that year, the Brewers were it seemingly desperately trying to trade Domingo Santana. He had just mm-hmm. hit 30 home runs and it's like, Oh, the Brewers are shopping Domingo Santana. That like, that's weird. They couldn't find a taker. Then they end up getting Yelich and Kane. And then it's like, Oh, well, you know, now they got no room for Domingo Santana. And, you know, who are you going to who are you going to trade him to then? So he ended up having to stick around the whole season and they ended up trading him to Seattle a year later. But, you know, they were already kind of at that point. So, yeah, they they got the rent for trade done already. Um, They they got Wong moved out. So they cleared it for those guys. And, yeah, now it's time to to go get your guys. And they might have a couple of interesting options in terms of their guys uh, that they're going after. This last rumor here that, that has mm-hmm. just come out, um, just come out here on Thursday night, that the Brewers have been in contact with the Arizona Diamondbacks about one of their outfielders, mm-hmm. which is interesting because, you know, after the Renfro trade, it's like, okay, you know, you're, you're clearing the deck for the, for the young prospects. You know, your outfield is pretty much going to be set. You got all those guys there. But... The Brewers are talking to Arizona about their available outfielders. They have an outfield logjam in Arizona. They're looking to trade a couple of guys. Uh, they got Alec Thomas that's on the market. They got Jake McCarthy that's on the market. And they have Wisconsin native Dalton Varsho yes. on the trade market. And that is the guy I think they are after or, they're, or that they are at least calling about. We don't know how far advanced things are. It could just be a check-in. Who knows? But the fact that they – are talking or have talked to Arizona about Varsho is very, very interesting given their current outfield situation. Yes. Bring him home. I don't <laughs> yeah. care. Like I know we're loaded with outfielders right now and that's kind of where he has more kind of gravitated towards bring him home. That would be huge. Like that would be a, like Wisconsin fans would love that type of move. Remember when uh, they went and got J.P. Fireyes and he started actually playing for the Brewers? Mm-hmm. Like, having a Wisconsin guy playing for the Brewers was amazing. Like, people were talking about it all the time. And then we traded uh, him for Willie Adamas. 
And then we did trade him for William Adams. Uh, so but we also love William Adams. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. Extend yeah, William Adams, Brewers. Out. Right. Uh, you know what? The the Brewers they went and they go get Gus Farland, who's a he's a Minnesota guy. So they get a kind of a semi-local kid in him. Keep the trend going. Let's get some bar show in here. I don't know. I I know. Get Gavin Lux. Yeah, I love Gavin Lux. Don't get me wrong. Um, but. Uh, I, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to Varsho and kind of where he played. I feel like mo- when I watched him towards the end of last year, it was definitely much more in the outfield uh, than a catcher. So, like, it, 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 it had he still been playing majority catcher, I think this is a no-brainer of a deal. Um, but we're talking about him as an outfielder here. But again, uh, you know, if you end up moving Tyrone Taylor, who's currently one of your outfielders, um, not in that same move because they're not going to get rid of an mm-hmm. outfielder just to bring in an outfielder. Um, but, you know, there's potentially a spot there um, to where you could still have a rotation of, you know, Varsho and uh, Yelly and hopefully not Winker, hopefully just DHs, but um, those two and some <laughs> And Mitchell guys. and Freelick are right. in there right. and Ruiz. There's- there would definitely be a way for everyone to kind of get some at bats. The Brewers rotate outfielders like crazy. Um, so playing time, I, you know, even if it wasn't Varsho, even if they're looking at some of these other guys, I don't know that if you end up moving on from Taylor, which I think both of us are of a mind that the Brewers eventually will do. Um, I, I think you still end up being able to utilize all of those different guys um, because the Brewers play a lot of outfielders. Also, again, Guys get injured. Guys go through slumps. Like you need a lot of bodies out there in the outfield. So it it was surprising, but I would. That's another one I wouldn't be disappointed by, especially if it was Varsho. Yeah, the Brewers definitely do like to do some outside the box stuff. It's like, oh, the, this is the one position we think they're set at, and then they have interest in making another move there. You know, like, like again, it goes back to 2018. You had all those prospects: Brinson, Phillips, Santana, Keon Braxton. Um, you know, you thought they'd all, you know, compete for at bats there with, with Braun and, and the outfield. And then they go out and get Yelch and Kane and they say, nah, screw the prospects. You know, we're, we're getting the established mm-hmm. guys. So, you know, maybe the Brewers are looking at that as another possibility. You know, it's like, okay, forget relying on prospects. We'll go get Dalton Varsho. He's got a couple years experience. You know, he had 27 homers last year. So, you know, he could go that route. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens uh, with it. Uh, who knows? Maybe by the time we record our next podcast, a trade will have happened. Uh, yeah. It's entirely possible. But also, it's possible nothing comes of this uh, at all. There were a lot of teams. There, there were 10 teams uh, listed as, as having called Arizona about those outfielders. So mm-hmm. uh, it could just be due diligence. It could be something more. Uh, we'll find out uh, as time goes on. But we are out of time here on the Cold Brew Podcast. So... Uh, that'll do it for us this week on the kind of winter meetings recap-ish uh, edition of the Cold Brew Pod. We'll be back once again next week uh, for another fun hour of talking Brews baseball. Um, for Matt Carroll, I'm Dave Gatsby. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Cold Brew Pod.